powers and urging the nuclear-armed countries to show restraint. International airlines that fly between India and Pakistani airspace, including Airfort, have been forced to reroute, according to FlightRadar24.com, which tracks the movement of planes globally. In other news, Ukraine will not participate in the Eurovision 2019 International Song Contest. The press service of the National Public Broadcasting Company of Ukraine informed on Wednesday. In a fast-paced sequence of events, the saga began when Maruf won the Ukrainian national selection event on Saturday. Upon receiving the contract, Maruf felt unable to agree to the terms. The broadcaster went on to ask the next most popular acts from the national final to take part instead. Nevertheless, Freedom Jazz and Kazka both declined the offer. With no other solution in sight, Ukraine's public broadcasting company has had no choice but to withdraw. Moscow's facial recognition surveillance cameras are now being deployed by collectors to track down debtors, the city's chief bailiff told state media on Wednesday. The Russian capital claims one of the world's largest facial recognition systems with uh, 174,000 CCTV cameras expected to be in operation this year. The bailiffs didn't say how many debtors the technology had helped NEB so far, noting that only... 15,000 photographs of debtors have been uploaded into the facial recognition system. And a resident of Moscow had to pay off 150 million rubles he owed back child support to be able to travel abroad again. In 2012, the Federal Bailiff Service imposed a travel ban on citizens who owe money to the government and those who have been taken to court for outstanding debt. Two-time world figure skating champion Yevgeny Medvedev has returned to the Russian national team ahead of the next month's world championships. The Olympic silver medalist has struggled in her first season since moving to Canada to train, finishing third and fourth at the Grand Prix events and seventh at the Russian nationals in December. However, Medvedev recovered to win a Russian event last week, widely considered to be an unofficial skater for Russia's third world championship slot alongside Olympic gold medalist Alina Zagitova and European champion Sofia Somadurova. And the seemingly innocent act of feeding dogs with bread is harming waterfowl and polluting waterways, conservationists warned on Wednesday as they urge people to use more benign alternatives. The capital's bosses say special vending machines with food for ducks will appear across the capital in the near future, adding that the aim is not to discourage people from interacting with wildlife, but to do it in a way that recognizes their particular needs. It is uh, currently five points out of possible ten on the roads. Driving time to and from Vnukova Airport is about one hour and five minutes both ways. Fifty minutes to Shromichi, about the same to the city. Over an hour to the Majidova, one hour and five minutes from the airport to the city centre. Twenty-one degrees Celsius in New Orleans, nineteen in Paris, and minus one in Philadelphia. It is cloudy here in Moscow. The temperature is standing at minus 2 degrees Celsius. And that's it from me, Yulia Bokova. Do stay tuned for more. With Alan Moore. Good evening, listeners. This is Capital Sports. I'm Alan Moore. I'm in the studio. We're doing a 
pre-record, so I have to be honest about that. So right beside me to my left, as always, is Mr. Andrew McLean. Andrew, welcome. Sometimes to your right. Sometimes to my right, yeah. Well, you're more on the left, you know. <laughs> right, we have got a cracking show coming up today. We're going to speak fairly soon with our man out in Siberia, Mr. Andrew Flint. Um, however... What have we got coming up for you tonight? Well, I'll tell you something, there's a lot. There is a lot to speak about. What do you do when a player refuses to come off? When you say, as a coach, say, right, come on, your time is up, come in, and the guy says, no, I'm not coming off. In front of a global audience, I don't know how a coach comes back from that. We're going to speak about that. We're going to speak about the English Premier League, of course, the League Cup final, which was on at the weekend, Six Nations Rugby, the return of Russian football, because, of course, the Russian Cup started on uh, Sunday 1-0 the win for Rostov over Krasnodar which means that they go through to the semi-final of the Russian Cup uh, we also have KHL action the playoffs are about to start so this is a big big time for all the Russian hockey clubs they really have to try and put on a big show to round off the season because this season has been pretty darn good and of course as I said Six Nations we have the update on who is winning and who is well, I'm not losing, but just say not winning in our uh, betting lineup. Okay, uh, Andrew, before before we go on the phone across to, or out to Siberia, what would you do if a player refused to come off? What would you do if you're a coach saying, "Come on, your time is up. I need to make a substitution." I think I'd be in the boardroom demanding that either that player is fired or, in Chelsea's case, sent out on loan to Vitesse, or I'd be walking. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I had an experience not that long ago with the player who was oh, like was basically going to start a fight and was like, you know, went up and he should have gotten a yellow or a red card. And I t- I said, take him off. Now, I wasn't a coach. There was no coach. I said, take him off. And the guy was refusing to come off. We well, did in the end. Because, like, you know, I, just, I you know, it was basically a case of walking out and they say, get off. And I have a situation before where players, injured players, didn't want to come off. Yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely disgusting to watch and I felt really sorry for Sari. He lost his rag um, with the cameras pointing at him. But... And Gianfranco Zola as well. Like it was like yeah. up off the bench and the whole lot. So, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, e- even if, well, a goalkeeper getting cramp first and foremost twice, um, God knows what he was doing while the ball was up the other end of the pitch. Was he was he jogging on the spots, doing sprints? How, how'd you get cramp as a keeper? And then, not only that, David Luiz coming over and covering his mouth, telling him to stay on, I assume. Um, it was bizarre because Willy Caballero, the goalkeeper that was about to be substituted on, who was warmed up, he was swinging his arm, he was ready to roll in, like, you know. He's a known specialist for penalties, penalties yeah. and he used to play for Manchester City, so he would have trained against all of these players. I mean, uh, uh, I think Sligo Rovers used to do that as well. They had, like, a very good goalkeeper, uh, or two very good goalkeepers. One was a, uh, a penalty specialist, and in an FAI Cup final, so a Cup final, they switched out right at the end of the game, the end of extra time, and they won. So it yeah. makes sense. This is called tactics. There's no point yeah, exactly. for ego. And if, you know, again, if a player's going to carry on, just get out. Get out. You, this, you don't need that. This is a £70 million goalkeeper that they bought from Spain. And funnily enough, he's replaced... Most expensive ever player for Chelsea, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Um, but his replacement at Athletic Bilbao is actually having a better season than Kepo, <laughs> even though he's faced more shots. Okay, now we're going to play an audio in just a second, but before we do, we're going to go out to Siberia, to TMN, to our man out there, Andrew Flint, over on Dog Football. Andrew, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Uh, A bit conflicted after yesterday, if I'm honest, but um, at least we didn't lose to Liverpool, so that's the main thing. Well, yeah, we were just just while you're waiting, come on, we were speaking about that that moment uh, in the League Cup final. 
Question, what would you do if a player refuses to come off? And you're trying to come off and he refuses to get out. <laughs> oh, my word. I, I'm not sure I am not sure I would um, be out of jail if I was uh, Maurizio Sarri in that position. I would have gone absolutely spare. I mean, he made a show of it on the sideline, but not nearly enough. I would have walked straight onto the pitch, grabbed him by the ear and yanked him off like a, a petulant schoolboy that he is. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, I- well, that's it. That's it, Andrew. It's like it's, it's this petulance, and you know, I mean, there are players like who get injured and they refuse to come off and they try to stay on and the whole lot. But this is a guy who, you know, his ego got the better of him. Just like no, he's refusing to to, to get off the field. So I mean, you mm. know, it is there's no there's no way back for for either. One has to go, won't they? Well, absolutely, and I think we all know which one it's going to be, which is an absolutely scandalous situation in itself. But um, I, I, I'm just—I'm absolutely speechless as to what it was running through his mind. It, the only possible motivation to push it that far was simply to try and—I mean, it demonstrates what everybody has known—the worst kept secret in, in football that the Chelsea dressing room is toxic. Um, he just simply wants to, a show of of um, of arrogance. I mean, it's just, there's nothing else to it. I. I mean, those post-match comments from from Sarri and Kepa were just absolutely, you know, they were so fabricated that nobody should pay any attention to them at all. It's just it absolutely appalling. I cannot believe what I saw. I mean, it's, it, again, it, this was uh, yesterday's cup final, uh, Chelsea and Man City, and I mean, the, the player refused to come off. I mean, it's, I mean, there's enough going on as it is um, with Chelsea that this just... You know, this just this compounds it. And you said, like, the most likely outcome of this would be the coach will get fired. Well, it, it will be, absolutely. Um, and uh, it, it's quite hard to know exactly where I want to direct my fury, partly. And it's only a small part. It is at Sarri himself. Because at that point, at this point, we, we all know that he's on his way out. So he either, he's basically got nothing to lose. And he should have shown at least kept some self respect by being absolutely unmovable. Um, now he's kind of dug an even deeper hole for himself if that was possible because he's clearly towing the party line or, or struggling to hold on to a job that he's losing anyway um, so I mean Sarri's going to go we, we know that um, I'll be surprised if he hasn't gone within the next 24 hours to be honest um, yeah that looks so, like it, it looks it looks like it's, it's, it's bad listen we're going to play a, an audio of that and just to kind of the reaction of the commentators too, because you know everyone hmm. even after the game with Alan Shearer and so on everyone I think was in shock so just one moment we'll, we'll play this audio So, Sari absolutely incandescent. I mean, um, mm. and at that whole time, the, the, I think the key thing that was it, the player has won. So, a player cannot yeah. beat his coach in that case. I mean, of all else, I mean, it's just, you know, it just, it, it, that, that just cannot go on, can it? It, it, it can't. I mean, the, the only thing Sari, if he has the slightest self-respect, can do in that situation is either literally, and I really do mean physically drag the man off, um, and then straight away go up to the Chelsea director and say, look, you get rid of that man because that is not acceptable on any level. However much you don't like my tactic, you've got to get rid of that man. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, we're going to play. This is now after the game. Uh, Alan Shearer's looking at. So just, um, mm. just sort of to, to take this in that you know, of course, after the game, we said, oh, it was a misunderstanding. They didn't understand the signals <laughs> and so on. The usual kind of nonsense. So okay, so this is Alan Shearer's take on the whole situation. Kepa spoke to the Chelsea website afterwards, saying it wasn't my intention to go against the manager. There was no intention to disobey. It was two or three minutes of confusion. You two both look sceptical. Well, I think it tells the story the way the manager reacted, the way he went on the touchline when he's gone absolutely berserk. I don't think that's a misunderstanding. He he wants him off for a specific reason, and he's disobeyed him, and he's undermined him, and, and that's why he's gone berserk. And the, you know, if you were been a Chelsea player on that pitch, would you have gone to try and get Kepper off? Maybe the captain should should have done that. Captain would show, go to him and say, "Go off." And the thing is, this is just an answer. This is a political answer for the newspapers. So there's no confusion the next day. And that, but everybody knows what happens. As Alan says... Okay, so that was Ruud Gullit there coming at the end. So Ruud Gullit, like, mm. slammed, because, of course, ex-Chelsea player and so on. And he, and he was looking at just in absolute shock. It was more like a Dutch situation with the Dutch players rebelling against the coach. I think one of the worst bits, actually, was that as the camera panned round to see how the players and manager were going to react as Kepa mm. was walking over, the captain, Eden Hazard, pats him on the back of the head. Yeah, I, just, mean, <laughs> I mean, it was just unreal. If that was that, if that was, mm. uh, I don't know, Van der Gaal or someone like that, or even Peter Schmeichel, you know, and, and Roy Keane was captain, he'd have knocked them out. He'd have like flattened <laughs> them on the pitch. I mean, seriously, I've, I've, I, you know, I mean, this is this is where, uh, you know, this this player should be not just condemned, but he should be just done, just absolutely done. And I mean. You know, I can understand a misunderstanding. He didn't understand things, but no, that's just nonsense. No, no way, no way was that a misunderstanding. I mean, it's it's the only political, like like Rudolf really said, a political statement. But I mean, it, it, it's I mean, it's it's almost laughable. Don't treat us, don't take us for much. Everybody knows full well what's happening. And as a club, if you have any respect, as a coach, you've got to be absolutely categorical about it. And I 100 percent agree with what you guys were saying about the players as well. All the others were very visibly um, making no effort whatsoever. It's it, it was painful almost to watch. Yeah, that's that's what he had, like you know, Andy was saying. I mean, that it's uh, you know it's important that there is a kind of bit of unity, but they just let the manager down. Um, okay, let's move away from that. So that big scandal. There was another game on that uh, seemed to be more important. That like um, in Ireland, when Dublin are playing, it's thirty-one counties against one, and it seemed that everybody up and down the length of England. <laughs> was up for United yesterday so it was a kind of a strange uniting force because people are just sick and tired of this whinging from Liverpool and um, Asia and the Middle East exactly <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone was just back in United it was just this like sh- surprising thing yeah. it, it was a, it, it was a terrible a match feeling. yeah go ahead Andrew I so I just I think it's a strange it's a strange feeling as a Manchester United fan um, to actually have a relative amount of mutual support. We haven't had that for I'd say a good twenty five thirty years at least. Um, but uh, I think everybody was let down in the end. Yeah, I mean it's it, I mean okay, Liverpool they're still topped by a point from City, um, and you know what? If they'd lost, it would have been a whole lot worse off. But you you look behind them, and I mean. You know, it, it is a three-horse race right now. It's Liverpool, Man City and Spurs. There's six points between the three of them. Um, good show from United, but at the same time, I mean, do you think that's, you know, like you've got the three strikers for Liverpool who are these like vaunted like strike force. They still mm-hmm. can't score a goal. Well, I, I was sitting in a bar with a Liverpool fan last night saying this, and that, I mean, much as Mohamed Salah's stats are still very good this season, scoring very well for, you know, mere mortals, 
I just don't get, I get a feeling he's not looked himself for quite some time and he was absolutely anonymous. I actually didn't even realise Firmino was on the pitch until I saw him hobbling off. I mean, not an exaggeration. Um, but is, but that I mean, not, is, that not, is that not a good thing for United, that United are able to hold those players still? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I think, uh, I think a lot of the credit goes to, to um, Lindelof. Um, Victor Lindelof has been absolutely fantastic for Manchester United, arguably our most consistent player of the season. And to be fair to Chris Smalling, he's, he's a walking disaster on legs, looking like Jason Lee at the moment, but he actually didn't make any noticeable mistakes. He won most of his aerial duels. Um, and didn't look unduly troubled. But the problem was, neither side looked troubled in, in any way at all. Um, but, you know, those injuries are going to hurt Manchester United if they last much longer than a week or two. So um, it's made me a bit nervous for the future now, I've got to be honest. OK. Um, if OK, all that aside, I mean, you know, United still have, you know, they have a, a long way to make up to, to, to get back in there. But... You know, is is it a case? Okay, United are out of the picture, but with Liverpool now, have they blown their chance of um, you know getting that like much vaunted Premier League title back? I think I'm not sure. I don't think I I don't think I would say that because it was a very odd performance. I, I practically wanted to gouge my eyes out with a rusty spoon at the end of the game. It was so painful to watch, but it wasn't a performance where. They looked brittle. They just, just simply made perhaps a bit tired, you know, maybe just slightly lacked ideas. But they did keep a clean sheet. Um, they didn't look in danger at any point. And that's with, without um, Joe Gomez still, of course. Um, James Milner was terrible at the back. Uh, and yet they still didn't look threatened. So that's a positive. They are a point ahead. It is mathematically in their hands. Uh, and Manchester United starts to play Manchester City, and that's going to be uh, an extremely important game in the title race. So, I, d- I don't think it's—I think it's in the balance. I, I, if I really had to put my money down, I still think Manchester City will win the title, but it's—it's not—it's not lost by any means. I don't think for Liverpool. Okay, so there's a bit of hope from there. Okay, um, before before we go away, um, with well, we, if we if we look again, just like to, to to look at say this weekend's rugby, for example, because I know you're from England, um, <laughs> that was, and we will. Bring up later on the show, of course. Uh, that 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 was a that was a tough one to take against Wales because in the first half it was a it was a pretty decent England performance. Well, the the, the problem with with English rugby is there's there is an incredible amount of talent. However much it may may be painful for you to hear, Alan, I do think we do have some. I'm um, not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm sure you won't in this point because you'll you'll be happy with the results this weekend. But no, I mean it, it, the problem is Wales. Um, well, like practically every country in the world, they absolutely love to beat England and they raise the game for it. Um, it does make it a, a, a task, I think, for for England for the rest of the chip. And that's the beauty of it. One defeat can really, really bring it uh, into sharp focus. Uh, it's it's a frustration one, um, but you know. We'll have to we'll have to crack on and see what happens next. Okay, well, good luck out there, and we will talk to you again uh, next week. So you have a very good day, uh, good evening, of course, where you are right now, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers, guys. See you next week. Okay, that was Andrew from the Dog Football. We're going to go out to the break uh, with a song that'll kind of like um, I think you'll enjoy it. It is no doubt and hella good. Back after this. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. The waves keep on crashing on me for some reason But your love keeps on coming like a thunderbolt Come here a little closer 
Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman. Ah, here we go. You know, I don't think I have a lot of people that hate me, but I think I have a long list of people who moderately dislike me. You can really taste the Soviet Union in a lot of, you know, there's like a, well, you can smell petrol. That's the main thing. That's the main thing you noticed. To be honest, and actually, the, the Alada doesn't start just by turning the key. You also, have to sort of go. Like, the like, there's like, there's like an element of that. Like, you know. oh, British we people. We gave you a language. Oh, British people. God's sake! I wish you'd use it. <laughs> Every Thursday at 9 p.m. Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman on Capital FM Moscow. Are you serious? <laughs> you got a date night. The one and only. Okay, we're back here in the studio on Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore. Beside me, of course, is Mr. Andy McLean. Andy, um, okay, we're moving away from pitching and players, and now we're going to talk a little bit more about the English Premier League, and of course, then we'll have a look at the Russian Premier League, which, of course, kicks off fully back in this weekend. Okay, on the English Premier League tonight, there are games which are, you know, they're pretty interesting. We've got Arsenal against Bournemouth. That's a big one for Arsenal because, you know, they they, they don't want to, to lose their grip on Europe, do they? No, having um, obviously leapfrogged Manchester United back into fourth now, they'll be looking to kick on and consolidate that. Um, their home form has been very, very good and they proved that again against a potential banana skin with Southampton who have been um, really superb on their travels this season. Um, so, clean sheet, two goals, rested uh, Aubameyang. I, I, I think it's a positive step and Bournemouth have gone through a little bit of a dry patch at the moment. Obviously slipped up to a 1-1 draw with Wolves uh, with a late goal and a missed penalty as well. Yeah, and of course, now in of course the Europa League draw was made last week and uh, Arsenal have gotten Rennes from France. Rennes, of course, had an amazing turnaround. They drew 3-3 at home against Real Betis and then went away and won 3-1. So, I mean, it's it's a phenomenal one for them. And as I was told by um, our, who, uh, Adrian Morvan, who, who called us in last week from the ice hockey, that he said, ah, no, he said he figures that uh, they've already sold the match to Arsenal because of the French connection. I very much doubt that. I, I, I think they'll be looking at that fixture and, and, you know, fancying themselves as the underdogs. They've they've been impressive this season in uh, Ligue 1, mm-hmm. um, and they would have been disappointed with a 1-1 draw against Marseille uh, over the weekend, having taken the lead. Um, but I think because of their technical ability, they will give Arsenal a game, and they've proven that against Real Betis, who have beaten Barcelona this season. Yeah, and of course, you know, Rennes have a nice little ground, uh, they're the pride of Brittany, so it's going to be tough for them. Just on that uh, Europa League, if we go back into the Premier League, so on the Europa League, Zenit, of course, they came through. Terrific uh, performance from them in Europe. And now they play Villarreal. So that, of course, is next week uh, on the 7th, the home game. That's like I mean, that's great for Zenit, great for Russian football as well, because we also have Krasnodar coming through as well. Yeah, back into full swing for, for, for both clubs, having had that winter break. Um, for, for those that are still in Europe, it's bang. Um, I mean, they really have to hit the ground running, making sure that there's no fitness issues. No. Um, and Villarreal have struggled this season. I think Zenit have a chance. They were, a, I mean, it was a bit cagey watching that game um, with having, you know, Fernabachi having got themselves back into it and yeah. were going through until that um, the second Asmund goal. Zenit have a chance. I think their focus will almost certainly be on the league, mm-hmm. um, and I think they may rotate accordingly. Oh, that could be good. Because, of course, Krasnodar, they came through as well. Um, and now they have their face also Spanish opposition in Valencia. So, I mean, 
to both like Valencia and Villarreal I mean they're both name sides they're both decent teams um, but still it's great to have Russian clubs going in for coefficient alone it's great for them to go in to keep moving on in Europe because that's really going to boost up the Russian league yeah the longer this good form continues in Europe the, there is a, a solid chance that they may even get an extra Champions League spot as a, quali- as a qualifier but yeah, fantastic flying the flag and it was a wonderful result against Bayer Leverkusen who have been, as we were mentioning, have been on fire yeah. um, and only just came unstuck against Borussia Dortmund. And we, did, we had weekend. written off uh, Krasnodar to a fair degree. We, we felt yeah. Fenerbahce could stumble against Zenit in St. Pete's but that Krasnodar just had lost their chance with a great draw at home but no chance away. Yeah, I, I absolutely thought that it was a fantastic result and anything on the night, just being there I thought on the night was... Um, a, a real privilege for them. You know, it's almost. I think it was their anniversary this week as a club, um, and it took a moment of magic. That free kick by Shappy was was incredible. And of course, um, don't forget they are just a point behind Zenit in the league. And I think their focus really should be on that as well. They'll be fancy in Champions League football next season. Yeah. No, we will mention that in just a couple of minutes where they are facing a big, big return to action. But I think I, I think they could win this. Of course, it's uh, live on this weekend. Yeah, Match TV are really, really blowing this one up, the uh, Spartak Krasnodar game. Uh, Chelsea, just talking about the clubs in Europe, Chelsea, they have Dynamo Kiev in the next round, so of course that kicks off on the 7th at uh, 11 o'clock Moscow time. Um, and that, that, that's going to be tough for them. Eintracht Frankfurt came through, they've got Inter, so this is like brilliant for Eintracht, they're playing great this season. Uh, Napoli Red Bull, your former uh, opponents, um, and Dinamo Zagreb doing very, very well uh, in against Benfica and Sevilla, Slavia, Prague. Slavia, Prague have been surprised this season, haven't they? I mean, I had, I would have written them off. I would have written them off completely. Yeah, I remember saying, I think it was October time uh, when Zenit were playing. Sla- Slavia, Prague were playing some really nice football in the Czech league, and um, they proved again that they they belong at that level. With uh, I think I think they won four one away in Belgium, um, which was an incredible result. It'll be interesting to see how they do against a slightly higher calibre opposition, but you never know, and they'll enjoy being underdogs again. Okay, Uh, all right, back on to the English Premier League, because the game's on tonight, kicking off tonight. Uh, Next one, Southampton, Fulham. Okay, Fulham are in all sorts, but a huge London derby. Huge February London derby, Chelsea and Spurs. That's good. Good timing for Spurs. Um, As long as Mauricio Pochettino doesn't say it's another cup final and they'll lose again, um, then it's a real opportunity to get themselves back in the title race and, and put a stamp back on the fact that confidence and momentum with Harry Kane now back, um, they need to hit the ground running to have a chance. OK, I mean, uh, again, Ch- you know, Chelsea, you, you know, God knows if they still will have the same coach, but let, let, let's... Well, uh, yeah, say, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, having no coach might actually inspire them to a result, you never know. Could do, or hopefully get them crushed. I've, I've seen, seen Stranger Things. Crushed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's funny because I said that there was a funny thing in the Russian media this morning was that um, uh, if uh, Abramovich sells Chelsea, that he will end up buying Rubin Kazan. There you go. Well, they're cheap at the moment. <laughs> yeah, very cheap. Okay, Crystal Palace there home against United. You had to fancy United to get that win, wouldn't you? Yes, but Crystal Palace will offer something for that game. It, it, it won't just be a, a run-of-the-mill three points for United. They will have to work for it. And as Andrew Flint said earlier, there's a lot of injury concerns. I think one positive was how well the, the youngsters that he brought in, McTominay, Pereira, rose to the occasion against Liverpool. They didn't seem particularly overwhelmed by it despite them being 23, 22, um, and without a lot of experience. The big question mark for me there is, is Solskjaer going too easy on them? What's with all the, the, the injuries, the fitness? Mm. Yeah. Um, 
and it's it, kind of the reverse of what normally happens where like players are unfit when the coach comes in yeah. and they're actually getting unfit and, now and, and, you know? and, and it's been two games PSG we saw the same thing he was out in substitutions before they'd They'd, they'd even lost it players going on and going off I know it's a nuts okay uh, Liverpool against Watford they desperately need a win against uh, it, not a bad Watford team but they really really need to win because if Liverpool don't win this game you know uh, Man City are playing West Ham now West Ham love to be party poopers they love to like knock teams off their perch but they're not going to do it against Man City Liverpool have to win that game and Watford having come off a, a 5-1 away victory um, and looking good at the moment they uh, tactically got it right this season they went through one bad spell of about four or five games but they will be a tough test for Liverpool and they will need as we mentioned Firmino, Salah and Mane to be to be absolutely on key um, and make sure they are taking their chances against Bayern Munich I, I saw countless opportunities fall to Mane that you would normally expect one of those front three to, to finish um, but they just can't seem to put it in the onion bag at the moment. That's true. And listen, uh, just quickly onto this weekend, of course, uh, on Saturday, another full round against this weekend. On Saturday, uh, you've got Spurs and Arsenal is kicking off at 3.30 Moscow time. I mean, that, 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 that Spurs season could eventually be well, you know, over. Their title chance could be over by Sunday. By Saturday evening, like at, at six o'clock, that's it. They're finished. They can just pack up and go home. Oh, or you could flip it and say that all of a sudden, two wins, the momentum's with them. Perhaps. And they're in second place, possibly. Potentially, yeah. Okay, uh, West Ham, Newcastle United, Manchester United and Southampton. That Southampton team, you know, they're coming in so, so, but you'd expect them to at least put up a bit of a shout, wouldn't you? Yeah, they've, they, they've been actually quite interesting to watch with their, uh, their tactics this season. They've sort of been using Neil Redmond, who is an out-and-out -out winger, really, as almost like a false nine. Um, so it would be... Uh, Interesting to see how Solskjaer sets up, whether he you know, really does pay attention to the opposition and he is setting teams up to defeat individual teams or whether he's just getting United out to play. Um, so yeah, another test for United, but you'd expect two home games and six points for them. Okay, and of course the Merseyside Derby, that is on Sunday at uh, quarter past seven our time. Uh, that you know, you, you, Liverpool will go into that and figure that they're going to be able to beat Everton. Um, the fans are going to be up for it, but it could be a kind of a case of like as Andrew was saying about uh, Wales playing England at home. They're going to be really up for it, and Everton will just want to just stick a knife in their bellies. Yeah, um, obviously with these big derbies, the cliche is form goes out the window, but it doesn't entirely. If you're playing total pish, then you're going to continue playing total pish regardless of who you're playing, and if it's a really good opponent. Um, I think when you overdo it in football, in rugby, it's perhaps slightly different. You know, if you're breaking the line, it's one player. In football, if you're trying too hard, all you're doing is actually giving quality players more space to play in. OK, we're going to quickly move on to the Russian Premier League, which restarts this weekend, of course. Um, some big games, uh, a couple of very, very interesting ones, because Lokomotiv, they open up the this uh, final round of the season, or final leg of the season, uh, at home against Krylisovtov, that's at 4.30 out of the Erzade Arena. Siska, they are away in Tula against Arsenal, that's mm, tough, enough for them. Well, tough enough one for them. Ufa are hosting Dinamo Moscow, that's on Sunday at 11.30 out in Bashkortostan. And the big, big game of the whole weekend is Spartak Moscow at home against Krasnodar. Kickoff is at 7 o'clock. It's almost a near seller, folks, almost a near seller. Um, Spartak have been wobbly they've been very very wobbly they lost they lost against uh, Sharif Tiraspol who we saw play last season against um, uh, Lokomotiv in the Europa League Spar Spartak need to, to, to win this to at least keep up the pace with Zenit don't they? Yeah and obviously just in case they, they, they are playing in red they, they are the same team even though they've 
you know, removed half of their squad during the winter break. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, they, they, although they were friendlies, they seemed to impress in the, um, in the tournament out in the Middle East. Um, I think they put three goals past two or three of the other teams. Yeah. Um, Luis Adriano looked to be getting close back to his best, but Krasnodar obviously have already had games under their belt, proper games, not just friendlies, and that will be a test for Spartak. Okay, we're going to go out to our guy who's not in the in the, one of the Spice Boys, as we call him, who is not in the studio today, but he he is out roving around covering some events for us. Uh, Alex B, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? Very very good. Listen, Alex, I'm not going to mention the rugby this weekend, but uh, you didn't do too. Actually, no, you did quite badly. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you've now slipped down to the bottom of the pile. Um, however, well, I was already there. Yeah, you are. You, you, hey, there you go. So consistency is key. You haven't moved. I did, I did tell him about Scotland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you did get one win out of three. So that's not too bad. Listen, Alex, you have a cracking story. Um, a big, big story that opens up a lot of questions about how American college sports and sports in general are run. About the number one draft for the NBA, the basketball pick. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a cracking story. So, um, uh, so the best, um, so the number one draft prospect, Zion Williamson, he got. Um, so he was all over ESPN. People were like, he's like the best, like he's going to be like the best athlete in the NBA in like no time. So he uh, got injured about uh, about a few days ago, and uh, yeah. And so since then, people have been like. Well, the injury isn't too bad. He'll be back, but um, it opened up a lot of questions about why. So, if people should be allowed to get to go straight into the NBA from right out of high school. So, um, the thing is, if you get injured in college, so like injury can just end a career like right out on the spot. Like, and uh, so, if that happens in college, like you're not going to become an NBA player. And that, like this, been, this happened before, and it's been pretty pretty nasty. But uh, and there's no compensation, of course. There's no money, and a lot of these college players they yeah. they sell merchandise with their name on the back, but the players have absolutely no rights and don't get a single cent for this. Um, yeah. Overall, do you think do you think it's fair that like college players, okay, they get a very good education, they get a bed and board, they get a you know they get their degrees basically handed to them. Is that not enough? Uh, well, uh, well, the thing is here is that um, I think they do need to like rethink that because there's. You know the game where he got injured. It was Duke versus North Carolina. The the tickets were about two thousand dollars, like for like those average price. Oh my and goodness! And the, yeah, they cost more than the twenty sixteen final tickets. So um, yeah, and the the, the the thing is, none of the players get paid off yet. So yeah, I think they really need to do, they need to rethink that. And um, but what I think is that it should be. They should let the players have the choice if they want to go into the league or not because it's it's been done before. It, it like it's happened when players just go in beginning of the season, career threatening injury, and they just like they're just gone first year and they don't have a college degree. So well, that is the case because uh, yeah, you're right, Lice, because a lot of players then they get their college education taken away from them because they're injured because they're of no further use. Listen, nice before we we we're going to have to let you go in just a moment, but before you go away. Um, the big, big game on this weekend, Spartak and Krasnodar. What do you reckon? Let's, let's try to redeem yourself to give this tip. Because we'll t- if whatever you say, our listeners will do the opposite. So what do you reckon? Spartak or Krasnodar? Um, Spartak. Okay, there you go. So put your money on Krasnodar. I'm <laughs> so convincing. <laughs> You're very convincing. Okay, Alex, listen, thanks a million. We'll talk to you. Now. You'll be in the studios next week.
right, thank you. Thanks, Alex. Okay, that was Alex B. We're going to go out to the break right now. Uh, so again, don't back Spartak this weekend if you know what you're doing. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go out to the break. We have a nice little ditty for you to lift you up. It is House of Pain and Jump Around. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
with Alan Moore. Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. I'm Boys and Girls Sports. We are back uh, with Capital Sports here in Moscow's Capital M. I'm Alan Moore. Beside me is still Andy McLean. He hasn't run away just yet. A quick update on that Premier League table in the of course in Russia. Zenit they are top on 34 points. Krasnodar second with 33. CSK Moscow, they are just three points further back in Spartak on 28 points. Lokomotiv are also on 28 points. So it is kind of tight there. Dinamo, they're lagging a little bit on 20 points, but they're having a good mid-season break. Uh, a lot of good things going on for them. I was in contact with one of their, their press officers saying, no, the guys are building up. Of course, Roman Shirokov is now the sports director and they're trying to get things in order after the old kind of administration moved away. Uh, the Russian Cup, of course, we, we briefly mentioned that the, the games on Wednesday, of course, um, which, uh, I don't know, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a tough one because Lokomotiv uh, down in uh, Kazan, they are taking a 1-0 lead with them. Arsenal out uh, at home against Orenburg. Of course, Arsenal won 4-2 away in Orenburg, so they're home now in Tula. And Ural on to tomorrow playing um, Spartak at home out in Yekaterinburg. Spartak 1-1. In the uh, you know in the in the Spartak Arena in the Okriti Arena, so that could be tough for them, wouldn't it, for, to go away to Katarinaburg out there? I mean, they they don't know what they're they're looking for because do they put out a full team or do they save themselves for the weekend? Yeah, it's um, it's 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 a big dilemma for them. Obviously, they're still coming back to fitness. This is their first first full game uh, coming back after the winter break. It's a tough one. I, th- I think you have to treat it seriously. It's, it's a way into Europe. If things start to go wrong for them in the league, winning the cup, and it looks very winnable this, this year, um, I, I think they have to put out a full team. And if they're winning, if they're up two, then you start yanking players off and, and resting them for the weekend. But maybe if you're yanking them off, it won't be awesome for the weekend. But anyway, let's, let's, let's get into that. Right. Now, in the playoffs for the KHL, of course, which uh, kicked off this week, Dinamo, they have a, a fairly okay one. They're playing, uh, Dinamo Moscow, of course, are playing Jokerit from Helsinki and uh, Lokomotiv Yaroslav are playing uh, Sochi, a series against Sochi. Uh, okay, that's going to be two interesting ones, especially for, for Lokomotiv Yaroslav. Siska Moscow, they are playing a Moscow Oblast Derby against Vityaz and uh, I, they, they should be able to come through that. Spartak, I mean the team who well we, they they helped us out quite a bit before with Capital FM. Um, they are playing Ska St Petersburg, so that is going to be very very tough for them. And Spartak, I think they lost five of their last six games before the end of the season, but still finished well up in the playoff list. Um, so it, it's going to be very very tough. So if you look at the the Western Division, it looks like Siska are going to storm through. Uh, Dinamo should be able to to come through as well. Their series with Jokerit, Spartak, I think. They could just end right now. But they did say they wanted to get to the playoffs and have a little bit of a chance. Right, we're going to speak now about Six Nations Rugby. So a huge, huge weekend of games, of course. Um, a Grand Slam showdown. Basically, it was a Grand Slam showdown. There's a lot still left to do because Wales still have to, to host Ireland. But, I mean, OK, let's, let's start off with the game from Sunday. Ireland had a fairly handy win, didn't they? But they, they made hard work of it. They made very hard work of it for for a while. I, I actually thought they might get found out a little bit at the back by Italy. It I, it was almost like Ireland had lowered themselves to, to Italy's level in terms of the how they were getting to the breakdowns, how they were using the ball. Uh, I mean, Italy's try was was farcical. The one that they they ran sixty seventy meters and then 
still had to go through about three or four players where you think, and, and was, there like was there a foul? Was there a foul? Was there a foul? Yeah. And, no. Oh, it was just terrible. I mean, so, you know, Ireland, getting that win, a win is a win is a win. So Ireland won 26-16. The former Irish, international former Irish player who now is playing Ian McKinney plays for um, Italy, who's blind in one eye, of course, who was taking a kick at the very, very end. Why they took that penalty kick, I don't know. I would have gone for the line and tried to push on and maybe gotten the penalty because they were playing well at that time. If they had scored scored that, they would have ended up with a, a, a losing bonus, bonus point. point. And it was. I mean, nobody would have grudged them. And I think a lot of Irish people said, "Well, fair play." Like, if you know, they have an Irish coach, um, so you know, like Conor Shady, ex-Irish international. So I mean, it you know, it, Italy deserved something else, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. I, I I think they have been a little bit unlucky. A, a few times against Wales that they were looking good for a period as well against Ireland they were looking good for a period against Scotland they rallied at the end and, and, and made not a game of it but they certainly brought some respect back to the to the scoreline um, but I think the rule is in test match rugby if there's a chance for three points you put it on the board because you just never know what can go wrong from a line out or a scrum or a penalty so if it's there and you've got a professional kicker then you take the three points and of course Ireland then like I think it was uh, Jacob Sockler he, 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 the ball of course missed the post he got it inside the Irish behind the Irish line and then started breaking away up the pitch to try and get it, you know, get his name in lights so it was a very very strange one ok the first game on Saturday course was France against Scotland um, <laughs> yeah I mean well I mean ok Fra- France France looked like you know they, they, they did well but I think the, the final scoreline flattered them a little bit I mean it was 27-10 in the end but Scotland weren't as bad as that. They weren't 17 points worse off than France. I think they were. They were, they were very, very poor. Um, I thought it was brave from France. They seemed to have kind of written off their previous squad and just decided to blood new ones because the, the, the last one they had wasn't good enough or wasn't really didn't have potential. So I thought it was a very brave move by France to give a lot of these youngsters and, and untried and untested players at this level uh, a chance. And they, boy, did they take it. Um, Scotland obviously missing players... Um, a few selfish ones as well where passes could have been laid off to create better better opportunities better space but Scotland used the ball badly they were giving away too many fouls and, and France used their big pack against them and uh, made them look very very poor yeah it was it was there, there were times when they you know that you look at the French and they when they're bringing players on they were getting bigger and bigger and bigger the guys who were coming in I mean it was just it, I thought only England could do that but France just seemed to get the stronger and stronger as the game went on um uh, watching it with the, of course the Demba Bamba the, the uh, French player got man of the match but what, I, I, I actually I didn't think he was as good as all that I mean I thought he played well but I thought like Intermac was very good from when he was on it I think he was sub, well substituted off in the I think 70 minutes yeah 76 minutes but I thought he for me he was one of the best players the fly half yeah I, I, I mean France I thought used the ball well. I, I actually it was very strange to see um, a team using crash ball, so using the taking the ball from the ruck, laying off a pass, and then using the size of your players literally to, to batter into another hole and go again and go again and go. And France did that very well. But when they had to, the fly half then spread the ball, used his feet. Uh, there was there was a beautiful little chip for mm. one of the tries where it, the, the Scottish line came out a little bit too far. That they weren't straight. And there's a, a tiny dink just into the hole, and yeah, it was in. Yeah, okay. They got so, it just, just just right with the with the use of the ball, and I think luring the the Scottish defence onto them a bit too much. 
Okay, big game of the weekend, of course, was the Grand Slam showdown between Wales and England out in Cardiff. Um, England, first half, dominant, but not, um, you know, not able to get the, the, not able to really stamp their authority on it with, like, you know, putting on the next couple of tries and so on, like, or even just putting on penalties. Wales then turned around and had an absolutely terrific second half, 10-3 down at halftime, come back to win 21-13 in an absolute rip-roaring game. Um, and, you know, it could have really gone either way in the end, but England just showed that they were, they started getting very nasty at points as well. And, I mean, there could have been a couple of yellow cards against English players, but they, you know, I don't know. It, it, again, as you mentioned last week, um, Wales were going for their best ever consecutive win run which is was well they had 11 until Saturday now they've got 12 um, the last record of course was, was set of 11 was between 1907 and 1910 so this is a very good Welsh team yeah um, and they'd be even better if they only played second halves um, it was incredible I mean if you remember the France game I think oh, again, six, six, yeah. 16 nil down at yeah, half time exactly, and they yeah. came back to win it um, I think one of the big standouts for that in the second half for me was that Dan Bigger should be playing number 10 and not number 22. He, he was a game changer for me in terms of how he used the ball, the kick for the, the other try, even though he, he did miss one of, the, one of the conversions, but he made things happen and yeah, Wales were fired up and ready to go and uh, all that valley training seemed to have paid off in the second half. Very much so. Obviously I mean, not a country according to... Um, according to people, yeah. We're going to speak to him in just a moment. He said it's not a, a bit of controversy. Of course, it's the first Welsh victory against England since uh, they won at the 2015 World Cup. 28-25. And it's their first in the Six Nations in six years. So they won 33 when they hammered England. Um, okay, so we're going to go to the phone right now very, very quickly because we're going to catch up before he heads away. Well, I won't say what he's doing, but he's, he's, he's busy doing something. Peter P, how are you doing? Hey, hey, how are you doing? Very good. Listen, Peter, I know you can't be with us in the studio today, so um, tell us, did you take in the rugby this weekend? Oh my God, yo, I am so disappointed because two of my three picks, uh, I, I got them wrong. Well, you got Ireland Wales, right. You got Ireland right. Yeah, I got Ireland right, but Wales somehow, I don't know what sorts of trickery they, they, they did, but they, they won. And then and then France won too, and it just completely surprised me. Well, I mean, I mean, you were okay. Well, fair enough. I mean, you you were warned not to back uh, Scotland by a Scotsman <laughs> who was sitting beside you, but you were like, no. And then you went and insulted the entire Welsh country. And I mean, that 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 was across Twitter, going like, my God, why is like you know, we're getting scandalised that one of our uh, one of our people in the studios turned around saying Wales isn't a real country, and why would you want to go to Wales? <laughs> Well, that, that wasn't me, though. It was all Al. Well, no, hold on, no, hold on, hold on. I think, actually, the uh, Welsh coach, probably Warren Gatlin, the Welsh coach, he probably, like, you know, played that to uh, the Welsh team and he got so angry. So, if you're walking yeah, along... Yeah, if you're walking along the streets of Cardiff some fine day and then these, like, big, tall, like, hulky Welsh, Welsh guys come over and start beating you up, it was your mistake, Peter, your mistake. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, listen... Um, over, so what have you got? Any any interesting news for us? Because I know this, it's been a pretty crazy past weekend with everything from sports to Oscars as well going on. Well, well, I don't know. The, the craziest thing that recently happened was the Oscars. I get, I guess, because like both of my movies, like like, both, like first of all, best actor, Rami Malik, I think yeah, that's his name. He won, and he, like I wanted him to win so badly, and then he won, and then the best picture, uh, the Green Book. Also, they, the the movie won, and I really wanted to bid them to win because it's a really good movie. So yeah, I'm really happy that 
both my picks came through. <laughs> so it didn't go like rugby. That's all right. That's okay. Yeah. Well, at least because yeah. I mean, the, they are a little bit more predictable. I think. I, th- I think the first oh, yeah. Oscar went to a to, to a black woman, and then I think there was a white Asian, and then a black movie. So they covered all bases in terms of political correctness. That's true. That's well, true. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sasha, our producer, he's like just laughing there. Just sort of studio was laughing. I was, but they had an I'm English. Surprised woman. a black woman didn't win best male role. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a there was a kind of a lesbian English queen one. Oh well, yeah, true. Yeah, so there you go. So everything is done. Everything is done. Listen, Peter, before we let you go, because you'll be in the studios next week. So before we let you go, big question we ask Alex: Who's going to win, Spartak or Krasnodar? Um. <laughs> I, I think I think Crossing Door. Oh, so it's going to be a draw. <laughs> it's going to be a draw. Right, that's great. Listen, Peter, thank you very much. You have a great day. We'll see you in the studio very soon. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Okay, that was Peter P. And uh, so, folks, there you go. So, if Alex says one, he says the other, then pick what's in the middle. So, as 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 Andy said, it is. It should be a draw. Okay, listen. There's a break then in the Six Nations for a week. So, on the 9th and 10th of March, the games are back in. So that's Scotland Wales game. You, you can't look past Wales. I mean, we'll speak about this again, but like that, that, that Welsh team should be at the pulverised Scotland. Yeah, Scotland have a decent record against Wales at, at Murrayfield, but it will be largely dependent on whether Scotland can get their key players fit again in time for that, um, and how far in front Scotland might get themselves at half-time before <laughs> Wales start waking up. Poor Italy are going to Twickenham to face England, so that just could be a spank, and that could be just like... You know, yeah, it's not that, a Roman holiday. That's for sure. That could be a cricket score, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It could be a yeah, tweaking whenever you can. Yeah, um, Ireland playing France. That that you know, Ireland are still in the hunt for the championship. And that's what the Ireland team says. We want to play to the very very end to try and retain the championship. So I don't know. I fancy Ireland to do that because, like, I mean, they they're playing at home. They will not want to lose to France because of everything. But then again, France have a kind of a nice little record going to Dublin and beating them. Yeah, just the manner that they were taken apart by England. I think you know when when a when a side has had that happen to them, and a coach can look at how that's been done. I think that does go in Ireland's favour, and they will have looked at where they were strong against Scotland. And yeah, Ireland have to assume that they are still going not for the Grand Slam, but at least for the for the Championship. So I think they will have a little bit too much for France. Okay. Um, just to update everyone. So just from last weekend, uh, Andy, he said France, England, Ireland. So we got one. Peter said Scotland, England, two, Ireland. Two, oh, sorry, two. two excuse me. Uh, Peter said Scotland, England, Ireland. He got one. I said France, Wales and Ireland. So I got that 100% right. Nikki, she just said the same as me. So she's... Bang on, she's like... No. Climbing the table. <laughs> Climbing the table, and Alex scores to Scotland, England, Lauren. So She was tempted to go for Italy, though, I could see it. Was, yeah, yeah, sure, you want to go for that. Um, we have to wish, uh, from Capital Sports, we have to wish a very big, big congratulations to, of course, the um, election of uh, Mr. Dukov, who is now the head of Russian Football Union. So we're going to get him in, in the not-too-distant future to have a little bit of a chat, because there's a lot that he wants to try and bring to the Russian Football Union to um, basically to, to um, try and, and, and move the whole situation on with Russian football and to make it better. A lot of people are backing him. I know that uh, not too long ago, um, Ilya Gurkos, a former uh, president and general director of Lokomotiv Moscow, said that it's, it's a great move for um, Russian football that someone from Zenit will come down to head it up again. And uh, yeah, it, it, it looks interesting. So it's like Forsenko, Mutko and now Dukov. So it could be quite good. So Mr. Dukov, 
your congratulations and we wish you luck and look forward to seeing you in the studio very very soon right we're going to have to go away in just a minute Andy um, but if you could give our listeners one tip for this weekend or even for tonight's football what would it be who, who would you say to uh, put a bit of money on is there any value um, from the big games I think I'd expect Spurs to bounce back and with Chelsea with everything that happened uh, during that cup final it, it's difficult to see unless Sari is given the boot I think Spurs will give them an, another boot okay. to the backside. So I, I think Spurs will be a good price, and um, you'd fancy them to get back on track against um, a slightly <laughs> confused Chelsea side about okay. who's in charge. Who might be managerless. Okay, folks, we're going to go out. Uh, thank, thank you again, Andy, for, for a brilliant, brilliant show. Thank you, Okay, so we are going out uh, for the week. We'll be back next week with you guys. So stay warm. Enjoy the start of springtime, which, of course, is supposed to start on the 1st of March. We'll go out with Brian Adams and somebody. We'll talk to you next week. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.